everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Madison Ford. A lot has happened in the past two weeks since our last episode. I want to take a moment to acknowledge that many of us are feeling frightened, angry, sad, and a whole lot of other intense things given the state of the world today. We may not know what's coming, but we do have one another. I think in uncertain times, it's incredibly important to cling to love in its every form. Let's try to take care of each other and ourselves. I want you all to know that I'm here with you, and I highly recommend you dive into whatever parts of Potter bring you the most comfort. The music, the movies, the books, debates with other fans, fan fiction. Take care of yourselves. Today, we're going to be listening to an interview with Deanna, who talks about how Potter helped her through times of uncertainty in her career. We recorded this episode in January, back before the current situation evolved into what it is today. But I think navigating uncertainty is something we could all use a little help with right now. So, let's dive in. All right, everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Veil. Today on the show, we have Deanna Abrash. Deanna, welcome to Beyond the Veil. Hi, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. Uh, Can you introduce yourselves to everyone listening? Yeah, so as Madison said, my name is Deanna. Um, I was raised in Michigan. Currently, I'm living in LA. I've lived all over, over many years. I guess the thing that people most often talk about when they introduce themselves is, you know, what do they do for a living? But that also changes a lot, as I think we're going to talk about later. So uh, (laughs) the things that I usually say to people when they ask me to introduce myself is, you know, what do you like to do? So I'm like, okay, I'm a reader, I'm a writer, I'm a musician, I like business stuff, and I like to learn things. So that's a little bit about me. (laughs) Love it. Love that. Um, And so... Obviously, you're here because you are, like many of us, a Harry Potter fan. Um, so what sort of Potter information would you like to share? Ooh, uh, I guess the obvious one is the Hogwarts house, right? That's what everybody in the Potter fandom introduces themselves as, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because I always say, oh, I'm a proud Slytherin because that's usually what I end up picking. Um, but if we're going by like Pottermore and or what is it now? It's wizardingworlds.com or something. Something like that. Rest in peace, Pottermore. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've taken that sorting quiz many times over the years and I almost always got a hat stall. Oh, wow. Between every time, every time. It was like Gryffindor, Slytherin or Ravenclaw. So it was, to me, it's like, okay, so that tells me nothing other than the fact that I'm not a Hufflepuff. (laughs) (laughs) So I would usually end up picking Slytherin. I think the only times it never gave me that was like the very first time when it was still like beta testing the website and Mm -hmm. people were like, oh, is this even accurate? And that's when it gave me Slytherin just definitively. And then once about two years ago, it just straight up gave me Gryffindor. I'm like, okay, this is weird, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So do you do you consider yourself any, like a hat stall or just kind of no no house identification? No, I mean, I gen- generally consider myself to be a Slytherin. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sort of like accepted that there are Gryffindor and Ravenclaw parts of myself. So like I won't be terribly insulted if somebody assumes that I am one of those houses <laughs> because that happens quite often. But uh, yeah, I generally say I'm a Slytherin. Oh. That's so interesting to have multiple times getting a hat stall. That is, that's wild. (laughs) So weird. Um, Any other uh, Potter information you want to share? Oh God, what are the other ones? Um, Patronus, right? Yeah. That that one has actually stayed consistent, which surprised me with, Mm -hmm. um, and that one, I consistently got a Falcon. Ooh, that's awesome. Right? I was like, oh, that's awesome because it is actually one of my favorite animals is a Falcon. So I was very pleased with that as my Patronus. Um, the other quizzes is the wands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've taken that one several times, and I don't remember what my last result was, to be perfectly honest. 
Um, the only thing I really remember about those is I consistently had a wand over 13 inches in length. Oh, wow. And like the wood and the flexibility and all that changed. Um, core, I never, that was the other thing. I never had a unicorn hair core ever. I wow. almost always had dragon heart string and then like a couple times I got phoenix feather or something, but. Yeah, that's all I remember about the ones. <laughs> a lot of moving around with your Potter identities, which will be interesting right? <laughs> as we talk about the rest of your story. <laughs> exactly. Um, so can you tell us about the first time that you came across the Harry Potter series? Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't remember the very first time. It was probably like in one of those scholastic book fair magazines or something. Mm -hmm. um, but the school that I had gone to when I was like growing up, um, they actually like crossed that out. Like we weren't allowed to read them at school. Whoa. Um, you know, it's that story of the private religious school and Potter is witchcraft and all that. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we were kind of banned from reading them and I just never took an interest in it partially because I never got to see it. It was covered in permanent marker. And when I asked, they just said, Oh, it's a Harry Potter. It's witchcraft. Don't. That oh. wow. <laughs> so that was probably my very first introduction to hearing about Harry Potter. Um, but there was also um, a neighbor family that I grew up with that I was very, very close to. And um, I played with their kids all the time. I was always over at their house. And at one point, um, I had mentioned something about Harry Potter because I saw they had books on the shelves. And they said, Oh, no, these are great. You have to read them. And, you know, they kind of wore me down a little bit. So I borrowed the first two. And I'm not entirely sure like where my head was at at that point because I remember reading them and thinking, oh, this isn't witchcraft at all. It's just a story. But I mm -hmm. just sort of read the first two and was like, okay, these were nice. And then that was it. Like I didn't really think about it for a while. And then the movies came out. I didn't actually see the first two in theaters. Um, I, I mean, I remember seeing them I'm going to age myself here. <laughs> we rented the videos from the video store. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's kind of like how I saw them. And then I think by the time the second one had come out on video, um, we rented that one and then something just sort of clicked. And I was like, this is awesome. I love this. Mm. <laughs> and then, you know, I never really stopped loving it. So that was the point I started, you know, becoming active in fandom, I guess. Do you know... I mean, I know it was a while ago, but can you, do you know what it was about the second movie that kind of like re, that really sparked the magic for you? You know, I, I really don't know because when I look back on it and I look back on, you know, the movies and the books and everything now, like I think Chamber of Secrets is the one I have seen and read the least out of the entire series. Like, it's not the one that I consistently go back to. It's never been one that I've said, oh, this is absolutely my favorite Harry Potter book. This is absolutely my favorite Harry Potter movie. Like, because that's Chamber of Secrets has never been that for me. Mm -hmm. um, but something about that second movie was just like, oh, this is this is great. <laughs> you know, maybe it was the creatures. I thought Fox the Phoenix was really cool, even though I look at it now and I'm like, what is wrong with this animatronic bird? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, something something about it. Yeah, just that little thread of magic that goes through all of them must have just been really strong or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it might have been that and just like, oh, there's, I know there's more to this story. I can actually go and like read the next part in the story. And um, I read the third book finally, um, not too long after I saw that second movie. And the third book, Prisoner of Azkaban, it's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. um, my, my top spot in Potter favoritism changes every once in a while, but Prisoner of Azkaban is consistently up there as, you know, fighting for that top spot. So oh, yeah. maybe it was partially that too. I could see that. That It's such a, Prisoner of Azkaban is such a popular one within the series. And it, I mean, mm -hmm. so much is introduced in it. So to, to come back after a little break and have that be what you're getting into, I, I see how that could be a, uh, a one-way road to never letting go of Harry Potter. <laughs> exactly. Um, so for a lot of what we're talking about today has to do with your, uh, your career and your job. And you mentioned that you have had 
a lot of job and industry changes in your life. Um, can you start off by kind of telling us what that's been like for you? Um, yeah, I mean, the first thing I think of really is, in a word, it's been interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because that's something that's neither completely positive nor completely negative connotations, because um, there's ups and downs, as there is in anything. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a really, really interesting path for me. It's not something I necessarily envisioned when I was a little kid thinking, oh, what are you going to be when you grow up? Because um, the answer is everything, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I've worked in entertainment industry in both film production and music production, many different roles um, over the scope of those. I've worked, you know, your basic jobs in customer service and retail and food service, things like that. Um, I've worked in corporate environments, you know, doing marketing and analytics and um, people like human resources, that sort of service thing, finance, finance, accounting, like those like sort of hard business skills that you think of when somebody says, oh, business, Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So I basically worked in so many different environments, everything from being a freelancer to being a small business owner myself, to working as a contractor, to being parts of teams, to being like in large corporate environments. And like, when I th- think about that, like that's insane, right? Like, yeah, that's not what somebody thinks of when they're just like, yes, I'm going to go to school and study to be this thing. And then that's going to be my career. Like that is not what I pictured at all. So it's been interesting. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm realizing as I'm talking about this, that I was like, even in speaking about it, I was sort of putting everything into buckets saying, oh, like I've worked in entertainment. I've worked in business. um, I've worked as like a freelancer, but like, that's not how my experience of it has been at all. Um, Mm -hmm. It hasn't been linear. It hasn't been in those buckets. It's like uh, one year I might be spending several months as a freelancer, as a contractor. And then uh, suddenly I have a corporate job for a while and suddenly I'm back to working in customer service and then suddenly I'm back to being a small business owner. And, you know, it's very, it's not linear and it's just jumped around, switched between those things back and forth. Um, so yeah, as you can imagine, that has had its challenges, but it's also been fun in some ways too. Well, I'm, I may be jumping ahead of our questions here, but I'm curious how, how has this kind of like nonlinear nature come about? Uh, like what, maybe that's the only way to phrase it, you know, like, yeah. Um, man, I mean, I think one of the big things about that is part of the reason that that's been so nonlinear for me is just, um, recognizing that that's a little bit of who I am as well. Mm-hmm. because I've always been a person who, um, who's interested in so many things and I love so many things. And I, you know, I'm passionate about so many things that it's always been hard for me to think about having to give up something I love in order to pursue something else. Mm. Right. Like it's always been that like, but what if I do this? And yes, I'll do it. And I love it. But what about that other thing that I loved? Like, it's always thinking about that. What if, and, um, you know, that, that may or may not be entirely healthy to always dwell on what you're not doing. Um, but there's a part of me that says, you know, why do I have to mm-hmm. give up something to do something else? Why can't I have it all? <laughs> right. <Sure. laughs> um, you know, I mean, and even knowing that it's impossible, um, you know, there's always that part of you that's going to think that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm actually uh, not to bring up a completely different series, but I just finished watching uh, The Witcher on Netflix. Have you seen that? I've seen part of it. Yes, um, it's it's great. I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. But uh, the not to spoil anything, but uh, the one of the main characters, Yennefer, very interesting character, and not necessarily someone that I identify with in many ways, but. Uh, it struck me in one of the episodes, someone asked her, what do you want? And she said everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, and that, that kind of struck me because I'm just like, you know what? I disagree with her on a lot of things, but I can see that. Like, why can't she have all the experiences that she wants? Why can't I have all the experiences that I want? Like, yeah. I'm going to try for it, even though I know it's impossible. So, 
That's, I love that idea. And I, that's something I, I deal with myself, you know, when you have your hand and you're trying to dip into so many different pots, you know, and have so many different experiences. And I know, um, I know from my experiences that it's, uh, it's really hard to juggle, you know, multiple, especially when it's multiple different, you know, like career type things. If your money is coming in from different places and your passion, they're, you know, divided into your interest and attention is divided. And, um, it's hard to just have that stability of like, this is the one thing that I do, you know, this right. is the, the thing I do. And I'm curious how this kind of instability has affected you and your mental health. <laughs> um, in a word, it is hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it hasn't always been a very positive thing for my mental health. And, um, you know, I, don't think that's a surprise to admit that, that it's difficult and instability is not great for your mental health. And um, I think a very, uh, well, not a very healthy way, but maybe a healthier way to look at it is, you know, recognizing how much of that is my fault in a sense, right? Because I mean, part of this instability is due to my choices. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always going to be instability in life and some of it you can control and some of it you can't. And to be fair, a lot of the instability in my life has come from my choices. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, not necessarily absolving myself of that responsibility of reminding myself that, yes, this is something that I chose. And if it ever becomes too much, I can choose to lessen that in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been helpful, but Overall, I mean, it's been hard. I mean, you've said uh, having that instability, not always knowing where your money is coming from, not always knowing, you know, what your time commitments are going to be, not always knowing where in the world you're going to be and who's going to be around you and, you know, what your job is going to be like, what you're going to be doing in a year, in a month, in five years. Um, you know, that's hard. It's yeah. really tough sometimes. Um, you know, that, that roller coaster of emotions and thoughts and all that it's I think that it's a human experience and to have that all the time and not necessarily knowing when that's going to stop is um that's that's really hard yeah well and I'm um in a sort of contrast to that part of your life it seems like Harry Potter has been able to be there as something more constant like an anchor and um i want to know i guess how has harry potter been able to help you manage this instability and be something more uh stable for you yeah um well i think a big part of harry potter being big part of like stability management is, you know, just by virtue of the fact that Harry Potter has been in my life and has been important to me for two decades. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, something that sticks around that long in my life uh, is probably there to stay in some way, just by virtue of the fact that that's two decades. And I don't think there's been that many other constants in my life that have lasted that long. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is um, a huge source of stability. Like I always know that that story is there. Like I can't unread the stories. I can't just stop loving the stories. Like I know that that's going to be there to, um, to enjoy when I need it. Um, And then in some ways also the, just the Harry Potter fandom. I mean, my participation in it and what I've done with it over the past two decades has been, it it waxes and wanes kind of thing, but I know it's always like a source that I can turn to, to find people, to find friends, to find connections. And, um, you know, no matter where I go, there's going to be somebody else who loves Harry Potter too. Yeah. That's it. It gives me this image of like, a lot of people, you know, who are religious can always turn to a church right. and 
you know, if, even if you love Harry Potter, you can still go to a church, but maybe for some people who don't feel like that's an option for them or they don't enjoy it, it's, it's kind of that same sense of stability and community in the fandom. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I feel, speaking of like church communities, I mean, I grew up in a religious community and all that. And um, like, I, I understand that sort of feeling of community that belonging to something gives you. Um, but I also feel like, in, especially with churches, a lot of that is based on physical location as well. Yeah. I mean, yes, there are people that you can meet through anything, through any shared interest um, that you may keep in contact with. But um, like, I don't know, I haven't really explored like internet communities of faith that much. So right. be something to research, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and I guess the Harry Potter community is just naturally like that, at least, you know, the, the circles you and I run definitely, but um, we know it's all over the world. So um, aside from, you know, kind of having this constant of the Harry Potter stories and the fandom to return to, uh, what else do you do to kind of manage your mental health in the face of this uh, uncertainty that you face? I think uh, one of the most important things that I ever learned about that and keeping myself in as mentally a good state as I can manage at any given time is um, just learning to monitor myself mm -hmm. and learning to monitor how I'm feeling and how I'm thinking and how stress affects me and how change affects me. Um, because that sort of allows me to, you know, get a pulse on where I am and, you know, what kind of resources do I need? What, what do I need to do to take care of myself? Mm -hmm. um, so those resources, I mean, it's anything from I need to center myself. You know, I'm a big believer in taking time for self-reflection and for meditation, um, taking care of my physical body um, when I remember to do that. Because, again, that's a struggle for me, too. Uh, you know, am I getting enough exercise? Am I taking care of myself? Am I remembering to take breaks when I need it. Um, you know, what kind of self-care will be most beneficial? Is that self-care just slowing down and stopping and giving myself space? Or is that self-care actually making myself push through and do something that I know is going to be hard now, but will be more beneficial for me in the future? So monitoring helps me figure that out, I feel like. Um, and then, of course, another way to deal with that and how I've sort of helped my mental health is trying to find a support system which you know is tricky when you move around as much as I do mm -hmm. and face as much change because you know if I'm not always physically in the same place you can't always <laughs> seek out people in person um, and you don't always have the same circle of friends I mean some people are there some people aren't some people come in and out of your life as things change um, and part of that has been being okay with that and realizing that that's a natural thing for going through change and, um, you know, just sort of taking that for what it is. And just because people aren't always there in the same way for you at the same time doesn't mean that that relationship is any less important to you. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love this with how much change you go through, it makes sense that you would have, you know, you have to develop good tools if you're going to effectively make this many changes in your life and deal with this much uh, up and down and left and right. But I think that's so the idea of monitoring, you know, and looking and making sure um, that you know what you need at any given moment. And the idea that I guess it comes back to change, right? Knowing that support may look different at one point in your life than in another point, even from the same person, just depends on where you are. Exactly. I love that. Um, so in addition to kind of being an anchor for you through all of this change, um, Harry Potter has helped you kind of make some of those changes and rebuild and reinvent yourself and I want to go through a couple of those things. So can you talk to us about the different ways that 
Potter has influenced your interests and your choices you've made and what you've learned? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it can be broken down into a couple of different things because, you know, Harry Potter has informed a lot of the things that I am interested in. And it's also um, informed a lot of my, even my career choices and things that have become available to me because of what I've learned because of my interest in Harry Potter. Mm. Um, I, and, you know, saying this, I don't necessarily mean that all of these things are strictly down to my interest in Harry Potter. Right. Like I, I, I always hesitate to point to one particular thing as the cause of something. Right. Right. Cause I, like to me, um, you know, an effect is happens as a result of this, conglomeration of things that all come together at exactly the right time in the right order and that causes the effect in essentials but you know the, those factors in there um you know they do have different measures of significance in that and these are just things that i think potter has significantly impacted mm -hmm. so um just in terms of interests you know I, i'm somebody who loves to learn about everything. I guess that's my Ravenclaw side, right? I love <laughs> learning about everything and anything I can pretty much. Um, and I won't lie, a lot of that came from basically going on a Wikipedia goose chase. <laughs> but like before Wikipedia, um, because of Harry Potter, I'd be like, oh, well, what's like the real world equivalent of this? Or where does this legend come from? Or you know, what, like, how are these things related to things in the real world? So I would just go and just start researching these things. And as I researched those, I would like find something else that was interesting in there too. And like, it would just go out and branch out into like 500 different directions. So suddenly, you know, my reading list would look something like, oh, there's history over here, there's psychology over here, there's botany over here, there's, you know, just general fantasy and folklore over here. Like, so it just turned into this huge, um, you know, chain of, hey, look at everything that you've learned because you were interested in something in Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like, and I don't think I realized how much that happened in my life until I actually went back to think about it um, because of this, these questions that you asked. So good question, because that is definitely one of them. Um, for instance, my interest in design. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done some graphic design work. Uh, I do design and art for fun, but I originally sort of got into design and learned Photoshop and digital image manipulation because because I wanted to make graphics for people on fan forums. Oh, for, wow, like, fan fiction, right? Like that's that's crazy when I say that because it's just like, yeah, I was a I was a Harry Potter fan and I uh, went on fan forums after school and. Uh, everybody had cool Harry Potter graphics and I wanted to make them for myself and for other people. So I decided that I was going to learn Photoshop to do that. And, uh, you know, you know, maybe I would have eventually picked up Photoshop and made it had an interest in that, but that was like definitively, I can say, um, that that's what sparked that for sure. Um, I same with that. writing. <laughs> <laughs> so random, right? No. Um, but writing, so, like, I've always liked telling stories, um, but I didn't always like writing mm -hmm. at all. Um, English classes were my least favorite classes, you know, growing up in school. Uh, not because I hated reading. I loved reading. But I always thought of reading as something separate from what you do in English class. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it seems so different and so unenjoyable. And English class, you always had to, you know, form all your grammar like exercises perfectly and anytime you were doing any writing it was like this really stilted academic writing or this really constrained creative writing that like nobody enjoyed and I certainly didn't like it so you know I didn't really think of writing as something that I like to do mm -hmm. but um I can honestly say like participating in the Harry Potter fandom you know I don't think anything I learned in school um made me as good of a persuasive writer as engaging in arguments on fan forums. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because, uh, I mean, this is, you know, we're all still debating, like, what was going to happen and, you know, the great Snape debate before all those books were out, you know, is he good or bad, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. participating in that, that definitely um, 
that definitely upped my skills in oh, persuasive writing and making no an <laughs> argument. And of course, I was uh, I loved reading fan fiction and eventually started writing my own fan fiction when I was a kid too. So, um, you know that that taught me a lot. Wow. I I am absolutely certain that anybody who was arguing on forums <laughs> has incredible persuasion skills. Yes. Um, I mean, to be fair, I, you know, like credit where credit is due, that was nothing for me. Like I managed to find so many awesome communities of so many awesome people that, you know, were actually making very good arguments and were, you know, teaching you how to do that as opposed to just, you know, not to, not to criticize modern communication so much as opposed to just, you know, trying to make a witty statement. Right. It was actually about the persuasion about the, you know, looking up evidence, making evidence-based arguments. So um, I really appreciate that Absolutely. and those fan communities for teaching me that in a much more enjoyable and thorough way than anything in school did. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, appreciation for that. Um, I guess in terms of how Harry Potter influenced my careers is... Um, I mean, like I said, I've always been a storyteller, but I actually chose to study film in college as one of the things that I majored in. Um, probably I can trace it back to Potter mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because I mean, all those films coming out were coming out when I was, oh God, when I was like in high school, I think is when I started really getting into them, third movie, fourth movie around there. And like seeing those um like behind the scenes and the making of harry potter that was like when those were starting to become popular on dvd oh. and seeing all that behind the scenes work just opened this whole world to me mm -hmm. and made me realize this is really cool like people are making innovative art through what they are doing for film production and that just sort of got me into like film production in general and i was like okay i've got to do that like at some point in my life, I need to do something with this. So that, I mean, that just straight up influenced one of my paths of study in school and influenced what I pursued um, as a career in some place. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's seeing how concrete some of these influences are, because I think most Potter fans can trace, you know, a ton, but seeing such concrete examples and like choices that you have made about the course of your life, that's, uh, that's just wonderful. And I'm curious if there, if there are any other careers that you were inspired to take on because of Potter. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't say I was inspired to take it on in general, but, mm -hmm. um, there was a point in my life, um, a couple years ago, actually, where, you know, I, I had a job that I really enjoyed and I was having fun and it was great. And I was actually planning on staying with that job um, for a little bit longer than I might have otherwise, but I ended up getting laid off and, Ugh. you know, it hurt. It, You know, I think that was one of those things where it's like, well, I wasn't ready to go yet mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but, you know, cuts to the company, things happen. Uh, that was out of my control. And uh, it was definitely a low point. Mm -hmm. But um, as some things are at you know, you, you need to do something to survive sometimes. And that was like one of the um, points in my life in which I went back to, okay, I need a job. I need income. I will do anything <laughs> at this point. And I'm like, well, what can I do? And I didn't want to go back to retail because I hadn't worked retail in years. Um, and I didn't want to go back to being like a barista because I also hadn't done that in years. And I just had like horror stories from when I was younger and you know, getting yelled at by customers who were cranky for the coffee in the morning. And just and like, I was just devastating to me the idea that I would have to go back and do that. So I said, well, I was, you know, when I did it, I was, wasn't bad at it. I was okay at it. Um, so for some reason I just landed on bartending. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and like, I didn't think about it and I'm just like, you know, part of this is also because I am absolutely convinced that I would actually be decent at potions. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, 
so that's not something I necessarily took on because I'm just like, yes, Harry Potter inspired me. I need to prove that to myself that I would be good at potions. So I'm going to take up bartending. But like, it's one of those things where it's like in a position where I was sort of forced to find something that I didn't necessarily plan on. I'm just like, you know what? I could do this. And, you know, as I, I was going through and learning, I was like determined to learn it quickly just because I was so, you know, I had this idea that I was like, no, I would be good at it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's kind of like one of the other job things. But I mean, I guess the other ones are um, other career decisions based on Potter would just be you know, that, that writing, that design, there have been times where that's where I've turned to and that's what I've pursued at points. Mm-hmm. And that can also be traced back to Potter. Um, I can trace you know, certain positions that I've held based on uh, friendships and connections I've made with other Potter fans. Wow. So, that, I mean, I've, that's definitely had an influence as well. Absolutely. Well, that, the network that you can get just by, you know, communicating with people online, that's uh, enormous. <laughs> right. Um, I wonder, because you, you mentioned with getting laid off and moving into bartending, are there any other, you know, low points you've had in this, uh, in this kind of moving up and down, back and forth with your career that Potter helped you uh, get through? Yeah, um... I mean, there's low points in terms of, you know, not being sure what's next, you know, from the point of, oh, I've been laid off or, oh, I'm pursuing something, but it's not going as well as I've liked, or I'm pursuing something and it's going a lot better than I thought it would. But suddenly I realize that that success in that isn't what I really wanted. And for the sake of my own sanity and my own mental health, I need to make a change from this. Mm. Um, So... Yeah, Potter's been there in terms of, I guess, one, just being that sense of constancy. And, you know, when I'm stressed, when I need a break, there is always that avenue of escape in some senses. Yeah. Um, But there's also that avenue of connection with other people. And then there's, you know, that, that avenue of sometimes you read it and you, based on the experiences you've had since you last read it, you see things differently. And I think that's been a big part of my experience with Potter in general and why it's kept my interest over two decades, because you do read it. And as you grow older, as you go through more life experiences, um, you can keep reading the story in different ways and different things stick out to you. So that's, I guess, one of the most important things that it's done for me in the midst of all this change. Can you think of any time... Uh, any specific time you've read the book, like something you've noticed where you notice a difference in yourself in the way that you read uh, one of the books? Yeah. um, I think, I mean, probably the most obvious example is uh, just in which characters I identify with more at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. because, I mean, growing up as the bookworm girl, obviously not alone in this, you feel a connection to Hermione, you know, when you're a kid. And, um, you know, sometimes I do still feel that connection. I, you know, I very identify very much with her fe- fear of failure that she demonstrated in the third book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes I read the books and it's not Hermione I identify with most. It's sometimes Luna. Sometimes it's um, Minerva McGonagall. Sometimes... Sometimes it's even people like Bellatrix, like Snape, like mm. these characters that I'm just like, oh, and that really makes me stop and think when I recognize that I'm identifying with someone's feelings, like one of these characters' feelings in the book, um, because it really helps me examine why. Why am I feeling like this at this point in my life? Why am I identifying with this character at this point in my life? Um, so in a sense, that's, um, that's another way of helping me self monitor. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I love that. I love the idea that, um, that, that we have, you know, they say like every character an author writes is a little piece of them. And 
it seems like the reverse can be true. You know, in every character, there is a little piece of the reader as well. I mean, I think that's a very valuable insight for anything you read, honestly. I mean, we say, oh, we hate this character. We love this character. But, you know, they wouldn't be good characters if they weren't human. And to say that you have nothing in common with a character, I think, is a bit of a stretch. Because we, you know, not to quote serious here, but we all have good and evil inside of us. We all have the things that we like about ourselves. We all have our flaws. Um, and so do all these characters, right? Yeah. So being able to even like look at a character and say, I absolutely hate this character. I, I, you know, I hate Umbridge. I hate Fenrir Greyback. Um, but sometimes, yeah, I think it is valuable to take a step back and say, I feel so strongly about these characters. Why is it because they're different from me or is it because there's something in them? I see that I can identify with, and maybe it's a part of myself I don't like. And, you know, depending on the character, that may be a very good thing that you don't like that about yourself. But, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, I, I think that is very valuable when you're reading through to, um, to look at that. Yeah. That's, that's very wise. That's very, um, I, I'm very, I very much enjoy Jungian therapy and that sounds a lot mm. like shadow work, you know? Exactly. So yes, that that's one of my, uh, ways I help monitor as well and uh, work through things as well. So, so I get you then we're on the same level here. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, that's, I love hearing that. I love the idea that, not, not the idea, but just the, the way that you, you have such a level of self-awareness with all of this that I think is really, really wonderful. And um, something you said in your submission that I loved is you said that uh, Potter helped you learn how to sort out your priorities in a world of constant (laughs) change. Um, Yes. Can you go into detail on that? Yeah. um, You know, I say that the sort out priorities because isn't that what, uh, what Ron says about Hermione in the first movie right first movie first book one of those mm-hmm. um you know she needs to sort out her priorities we almost got eaten by a dog and here she's worrying about getting expelled <laughs> um, and you know like we kind of laugh at that and i still laugh at that um but when you think about it i mean he's right you know ron we, we joke about how ron often says these very insightful things when he's joking i feel like that's something that uh muggle has talked about before mm-hmm. and um but it really is right i mean how much of the suffering that we put ourselves through or that we feel is based on, you know, because we are being short-sighted because we don't know what we want because we don't know what's important to us. And we're just reaching around us, trying to find something that's important and trying to find something to cling to. And we just don't know. And, uh, Therefore, the choices that we make aren't really guided by anything. Um, so that, in a sense, that's why it became important to me to sort out my priorities. Um, you know, my, my world changes a lot. And part of that is, as I mentioned, is because of my choices, because it is a priority to me to be able to experience as many things as I can. Um, and I didn't realize that until I started you know, my career path changing so often. Because at any point, I could have said, yes, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I want my life to be for the next however many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, there are things outside of my control that would influence that as well. But, you know, at any point, I could have made it easier for myself. Um, Right. But I think realizing that it wasn't, stability isn't, a priority to me necessarily over having more experiences was sort of a big moment for me. And I I say that recognizing that, you know, in the future that may change in the future, my priority might be stability and saying, okay, I've experienced enough. I want stability. I want to not go through the stress of change. I don't like what this is doing to me. So, so that may change, but, um, yeah, so so I think 
getting me to realize that that was a priority was important. Um, and, you know, Potter, like I, I was saying this based on Ron's quote, but it's not just, um, you know, Ron's little quote here. It's, you know, one of my favorite markers of how I can tell a story is good, how much I like it is how well that story shows changes over time. You know, how do people's character arcs play out? And, you know, I think Potter does that really, really well of all its things because it gives us the opportunity to see that on so many levels. It gives us that over the, um, over all the books. It gives us that over it, like within each book. You know, how do these characters develop as people? How do their priorities change over time? Um, I mean, look at what they're all thinking about and what they're focused on in the beginning. Uh, Harry was worried about losing house points in his first potions lesson, and Hermione's worried about being expelled and, you know, maybe not having friends at Hogwarts. And by the end, like, they're not thinking about that anymore. That's not <laughs> even a consideration. No. They're in the woods trying not to die and trying to defeat Voldemort. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things that the series does really, really well is just showing that shift in priorities over time. Um, it's showing them deliberately choosing what is important to them, making those hard choices um, and showing them deciding to make the choices that will mean more to them in the future. So seeing that is something that really helped me realize that I need to prioritize. Um, it has kind of helped me, you know, temper being reactionary to things and become more focused on what's important to me and important to my future. Yeah. And that's sometimes hard to see because not knowing what my future necessarily looks like with all the changes, you know, I don't always know what is going to be important to me in five years or in 10 years or in three years. Um, but at least it gets me thinking about it. So yeah, that's a, uh, that's, it's so interesting how, how much wisdom how that can be taken out of this quote, this, or even this idea of um, Ron's, I Ron's quote about priorities being applied to the series on a bigger level, you know, mm. how that reflects uh, exactly as you said, how we start off worrying about house points and potions class. And then at the end it's all right. Like I, I don't want to die here in the forest getting chased by snatchers. Um, and what a, what an interesting way to look at our own ability to choose what is important to us as this idea that, you know, obviously we have things like, you know, we need to prioritize like our health and making sure we get enough to eat and having shelter. But that beyond that, you know, beyond that part of the Maslow's hierarchy, uh, you know, it's, it really is our um, prerogative in many ways for those of us who have that privilege of deciding, you know, like, this is where I want to, this is where I want to put my time and my energy. And um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm just kind of floored at how much wisdom you have been able to just to dig out of such a small little part of that. That's, uh, I love that. Um, and I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hold up in all circumstances, I'll be honest, because like you said, it, it is a privilege in the cases where, you know, you can choose. I recognize that choosing is a privilege because sometimes you don't have the choice. Sometimes it's not yours. Sure. Yeah. Um, for any number of reasons. But, you know, I, I think the one of the best things I ever realized for myself, for my mental health was when you have the choice, um, you know, figure out how you're going to choose before you have to make it. Yes. If you can. Absolutely. Uh, Self-reflection is important. And um, we don't have to be terrified, Hermione, worried about getting expelled when actually there was, you almost got killed by a dog. So, right. <laughs> um, so, this this plays off the next question interestingly because you have this idea of you know like 
where you can choosing to um, put your energy into a certain place. And you also mentioned that Potter helped teach you how to pick your battles, which seems kind of connected to this idea. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I guess the way I look at it is when you spend your time figuring out what your priorities are and what's important to you, it really gets you thinking about, um, not to simplify it too much, but about costs and results. Mm -hmm. So in picking your battles, it, it sort of just stops becoming, you know, necessarily a reactionary thing. Mm -hmm. And it lets you step back and really analyze what fighting a battle will cost you and, you know, what potential outcomes will be. And I, and I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, is this a battle I can win or is this one I'm going to lose? Because that's not it. It could, your cost could be if I don't stand up and fight for this thing, is that going to impact how I see myself? Is that going to impact, you know, what I can do for others? Will I be compromising what I believe in? Will I be compromising what my priorities are? Mm. If I don't fight this battle, even if I'm going to, if, even if I know I'm going to lose, will I be compromising it if I don't fight it? Um, and, you know, that's also not to knock, I guess, a reaction to something because I feel like when you have an emotional response to it, like that's, <laughs> that's entirely valid. It's just, you know, what, what do you do with it afterwards? And having, you know, sorting out these things and sort of, teaching yourself as much as you in as much as you can to figure out how much time and energy will something cost you and whether or not that's going to further anything that you consider important. Um, that's been, you know, a really hard lesson to learn. And that's something I still struggle with and will probably continue to struggle with for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> You know, because the, the, the Gryffindor part of me, like, wants to fight and wants to say, let's go to everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that it's, that's not always healthy to do that in so many ways. Um, so, you know, being able to take that step back, which I still fail at sometimes, that has been something um, that I think prioritizing and the Harry Potter series in general has to that thought, line of thought that's very human i think you know <laughs> uh, and that's uh, I, I what strikes me again is just the importance of awareness in all of it where sometimes it would be nice mm -hmm. to have that awareness beforehand before we react but to even to be able to reflect retroactively and say this is you know this is this kind of situation and uh, maybe I wish I had acted this way because you can't, you know, you, mm -hmm. there's always going to be a new situation that you'll be in and you uh, having the awareness even afterward is what helps us make a decision closer to our true selves, I guess, in the future. Right. So we talked about a lot of, a lot of this kind of stuff. And something that really struck me is you said that, Potter helped you accept self-transformation and uncertainty. And I'd love to know uh, more on what that means for you. Yeah. Um, wow. So, I mean, I think the quotes that really get bandied around on this topic a lot are, um, you know, Hagrid's about that, you know, what's coming will come and we'll meet it when it does. And, uh, you know, it's our choices that, show us for who we really are um which is Dumbledore of course but um those are those are great things and I I could talk about those and I could you know say how much I love them and what those have meant to me but I think the biggest thing really has been that Potter showed me that it's okay to change mm -hmm. like you're going to change you will change and you should be changing you should be growing as a person a story isn't a good story if or it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good story if the, if the character stays the exact same as they were when it started. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and I mean, sometimes they do to prove a point, but then you go back and say, was, was that good? Was that healthy? Was, you know, did it mean anything in the end? And 
I feel like the answer to that is usually no. Like, we, we think it's a better story when people change. You know, everything around you is going to change in some way or another, whether you seek it out like I do or whether you try not to. Um, so being able to accept the idea that it's okay, you know, it's okay to develop from know-it-all Hermione into I'm willing to die for this cause, Hermione. Yeah. It's, it's okay to, you know, to, to change your mind. It's okay to change your opinion about things based on new information. It's like, that's fine. Um, and it's okay to not be sure what's going to happen next. Um, it's okay to, to not see the future in a certain way, because I think we get this story in our heads that we have to live up to um, like a certain, like a certain standard of this is how life should go. This is how a career path should look. This is how a life path should look. Um, and if we don't do it that way, we're doing it wrong. Or if something happens that forces us to, to diverge from that, we've done something wrong, we failed. And that's not the case at all. So um, I think seeing that played out um, in the Potter series, among others, but particularly in the Potter series, um, has really driven that home for me over the years. Mm. Wow. That is personally something I really needed to hear. <laughs> the, um, that uncertainty is okay. And yeah. we will never be that fullest, truest version of ourselves closest to uh, you know, the best, the best story of ourselves, right. Without that uncertainty and the change that comes with it. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's so scary too, because yeah. I mean, that, that's half the challenge of it is it's scary. <laughs> like not knowing what's coming, not knowing if, I mean, you talked about hindsight, you know, you have this um, option to go back and there's a fine line between being self-aware and going back and overanalyzing things and obsessing over, did I make the right choice? Did I make a mistake? Is there something I could have done that a door closed to me that might not have, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like if a door closes to you, not necessarily another one opens, but that door isn't necessarily closed forever. Yeah. You know, you, you can go back. I mean, Potter series, perfect example. It's, you know, we talk about ring theory. We talk about things, themes and characters and everything that comes back around, um, even when you least expect it. And that's a huge part of realizing, Hey, it's, you know, it might not always feel okay. And sometimes it might not always be okay, but it will still be okay in the end. Yeah, it will for everyone. Hmm. That is such a lovely, uh, it feels like a really lovely finishing point here. Um, but if you have any other topics or stories you want to dive into, um, we can do that here before we finish off i mean i guess if i had to add on to anything um i guess when we're talking about how potter has sort of inspired me to keep going and you know inspired me to remember that everything will be okay even when it really really doesn't feel like it um I guess for me personally, one of the reasons, you know, when I find that things are tough is because I feel like I failed, mm -hmm. whether that failure is real or it's just perceived um, and wasn't necessarily a failure of mine, but it still feels like it. So that failure has led to a lot of low points in my life, whether personally or professionally. Um, and it's not fun. I mean, I, I've never met anybody who says that failure or feeling like they failed is fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 
it is something that you inevitably have to deal with on some level. And I think Potter touches on that on so many levels, not just within the series, but I mean, even just looking at its creator, um, mm-hmm. obviously with Joe, the, the obvious examples are her, you know, not giving up when Potter wasn't published by how many publishers rejected Potter. Right. right. Or, um, you know, recognizing, I think it, what was her graduation speech she gave, um, Oh. about saying failures being human you know mm-hmm. that's a part of being human and if you haven't failed at anything then you failed by default um, because you haven't really lived but um, you know I think in some cases she's also shown how not to deal with failure <laughs> in some cases like I won't pretend that I agree with everything she said and um, you know I think there's something to be said for recognizing like hey this is um this is not how you respond to people telling you you failed at something (laughs) in some way. Um, But uh, yeah, that's definitely something that I think about a lot Mm -hmm. when I feel like I failed and be like, well, did I fail? Yes or no. If I did, you know, what can I do about it from here? How can I process it? How can I move on? And uh, yeah, how, how can I, try to prevent myself from being this discouraged again when failure inevitably happens again. Right. Because it will. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Having more examples of it and experiences of it is, I think, what helps us, you know, get back up. Exactly. And remembering it will be okay, even when it really doesn't feel like it. Yes. I've, I've been there. It really doesn't feel like it sometimes, but, you know, it will be. Yeah. Well, as we get to the end of our time, uh, I want to know if you have any other final words of wisdom or advice or anything else you want to share with everyone. Um, I think I think we touched on everything that uh, your previous questions had asked. So, um, you know, I, I just want to say thank you to the Harry Potter fandom. Thank you to anybody who's been involved both in my journey and the journeys of anyone else who has used Potter um, to help themselves in some way or to help another person in some way. Um, You know, that's something valuable that even if, I mean, even if you were somebody who uh, lost your interest in Potter later in life, you can't take away what Potter has given you already. Mm. Very well said. That was wonderful. Well, Deanna, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing so much, so much gold <laughs> with all of us. Uh, it's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you. It's, I mean, I really appreciate being invited onto the show. Um, you had some awesome, awesome questions. I feel like I could like think about them for a really long time and not come up with an adequate answer. (laughs) (laughs) These are the kind of questions that I feel like you ask yourself, you know, like you go in and you ask yourself these questions like every year because the answer can change so much. All the time. (laughs) That was my interview with Deanna. Deanna, thank you for joining us and sharing your story. I want to take a moment to ask all of y'all listening if there's anything that myself and the Beyond the Veil team can offer you right now. Is there anything you'd like to see from Beyond the Veil? A live stream, an episode about health anxiety, an episode about trauma, something looking at the current situation through the metaphors that the Potter series has to offer. If you have any thoughts, please let me know. You can reach out to us through social media or by email at beyondtheveilpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on the show and share your story about how Potter has helped you, please fill out the form linked below and we'll get back to you as soon as possible to have you on as a guest. You can also share your story anonymously as a whisper if you'd prefer. 
Join me next time for another conversation in the headmaster's office. Take care, everyone. <laughs>